So speaking of keeping up this morning, I do um, want to say, man, I feel like life is getting faster and faster. You know, I just had a birthday and I feel like, man, go back 20 years. I feel like we have just gotten faster and faster as a culture of the stuff coming at us. I found this slide this week just to give you an idea of what happens every 60 seconds on the internet, just to give you a flavor of the volume of information flying at us. So we'll put that up here and you'll get just a hint here. So every 60 seconds in the internet, 18 million text messages are sent. If you go to the bottom left, it's 42 million Facebook messages. So that is a lot of messages flying around, popping up on our phones and our laptops and interrupting us. All of them saying, hey, we want you to do something or notice something. And then we might be prompted to reply. And we need to know, hey, what am I supposed to do now? What am I, how am I supposed to reply to this text or this note? You've got 188 million emails sent. That's a lot of emails, guys. That is a lot. Of, that's every 60 seconds on the internet. That just gives you a flavor of how much information is thrown into our world. And we need some discernment to know what to do with all of that. We need some discernment to know who to believe and what to believe and what to do with all the different situations that are thrown in front of us. The Bible calls that discernment wisdom, and it's literally the skill of navigating life well. And it's good news for us this morning because God wants to give all of us in this room wisdom. He said, if anyone asks, he wants to give it to us liberally. In fact, he wants to give it to us so liberally, he has multiple books in our Bible dedicated to giving us wisdom. In fact, one of them just kind of pops fully to my mind as such a practical book saying, I want to help all of you and me live life well this side of heaven. And that book is the book of Proverbs. So I want you to uh, turn there with me this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got these blue ones in the seat backs in front of you. And uh, if you don't have one, feel free to take that home with you this morning. I've got page numbers uh, that'll go with my slides. If you want to know where these verses are coming from, or you can read along with me. And we're going to turn right into the middle of the Bible to the book of Proverbs, starting at the very first verse, because that's just a good place to start. So Proverbs 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now Solomon was unique in all of human history. See, something happened to Solomon that has not happened to any other person who has ever lived before. See, he had spent an extended time of worship before God, and then that night he went to sleep. And God appeared to him, and he had an encounter that is completely unique of anything else we've ever seen before. Let's read about it. Keep your finger in Proverbs, because we're going to bounce to 1 Kings to read about this quick encounter that God had with King Solomon. Start chapter 3, starting in verse 5 of 1 Kings. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. What a crazy moment that must have been. I mean, think back to last week where Jerry shared with us that our God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He has all power. And God comes to Solomon and says, ask me for something man, what would you have responded with? What would you have asked God for? Think of the things that you've been praying, asking God for this week. If God said, I want to give you something, what would you ask God for? Well, Jesus gives us a hint of the kind of prayers that God likes from us. See, Jesus in Matthew 23, 12 said, God humbles those who exalt themselves 
and he exalts those who humble themselves. So Solomon shows this humble path, and in his response to God, he said, God, I'm a king, and I don't really know what to do. I've got a lot of people depending on me. I've got nations that are wanting to attack me. I, I need discernment. I need wisdom to know how to lead my people. I need to know what decisions to make in my realm of influence that will help bless my people. Let's see how God responds to that request for wisdom. In 1 Kings 3, starting in verse 10, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing, you have not asked for yourself a long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. Because of Solomon's humble approach to God's request, he got wisdom. He became the wisest man to have ever lived before or since. And in the book of Proverbs, we have a collection of many of Solomon's writings. And we have wisdom that God shared with Solomon that Solomon is going to share with us. Now, um, I want to highlight a couple things um, for you. See, I just had a birthday. It's today. Um, and leading up to my birthday, I put some things on my list that I wanted. Um, and so I'm going to share some things that I already have. But if you don't have some of these, I encourage you to put them on your birthday list so that you can have them too. And one of them that I want to highlight this morning is a good Bible dictionary. So if you don't have one of these and you are reading the Bible, man, I highly encourage you to get one of these. So this is the, the Nelson's Illustrated. There's lots of great ones out there. And what is the use of a Bible dictionary? Well, as you're reading along in Proverbs 1.1, trying to gain wisdom, and you encounter a name like King Solomon, it would be helpful to know who this guy is. And if you flip over to Solomon, you'll learn very fast, oh, this is the wisest man who's ever lived in the history of the world. I should listen to him more than Dr. Phil or Oprah. This is a good guy to focus in on, right? So that's where a dictionary really helps you. It helps open up all sorts of things about the Bible. So if you don't have one of these, I highly recommend sticking that on your birthday list for your next birthday. But I have one, so please don't all buy me a Bible dictionary. So that's awesome. Um, so let's go a little further into the book of Proverbs, starting in verse 2, to find out more about how we gain wisdom. Because God wants all of us to be wise. There's really not a virtue in the Bible for being a fool. Um, so that's not a thing we should aspire to. I want to be the craziest fool. Uh, we, God really wants us to be wise kids. And so let's go on and find out how do we get this wisdom he's talking about. Starting in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior. See, if we never read Proverbs, we can't receive the instruction and wise behavior that God wants to give us. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Are those things that pop up in your mind today that are often talked about, justice and equity? Proverbs wants to help give us wisdom on these topics, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Did you know that if you're young, you can be wise? All you have to do is just receive the wisdom that God wants to give us. And man, our youth in this nation desperately need wisdom. See, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. 
to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So God chose in his infinite wisdom through Psalm to give us Proverbs. If you don't know what a proverb is, you pull up your Bible dictionary we just talked about, and you find it's a short, pithy statement about life. And it's a very helpful thing because um, sometimes I space out, well, Proverbs are real short. So if you have a short attention span, these are right up your alley. I mean, we're talking one sentence, put them together, that's your proverb. And it's designed for us to think about and think, oh, okay, that's it. But then the more we think about it, the more we see the multifaceted nature of it. And then sometimes you got two Proverbs that overlap, and it gives us even more facets on a particular aspect of life. So I want to tell you about another thing that you might want to add to your uh, birthday list if you don't have. Uh, But if you want to take a step up from that, you have something like this. This is a study Bible. So it adds that word study in the front of it. And um, the reason you know it's a study Bible is because it says study on the end. Um, But it's got some extra things in there to help you. And things like it gives you an introduction to a book of the Bible. So before you embark on a book, say to gain wisdom in Proverbs, the study Bible will give you an introduction and say, here's what some things are to look for. Here's how the book is put together. Here's who wrote it. Now, some of you guys are those who, uh, how many of you have bought furniture recently from a store that requires some assembly? No one, because y'all guys are smart. Okay, Eric's with me on this. So I recently, I mean, not so long ago, I bought some furniture, and it comes with like the 17-step instructions with it in multiple languages. Quick in all the things I do. So I just dive in. And then my wife says, hey, we should look at this thing, because she's done enough projects with me to know that we're going to be unscrewing some screws pretty soon, because I went a little too fast and forgot to screw something in. So she helps me, and that's how we balance each other out. Um, This is how a study Bible could help you. It's kind of orient you to a book, some instructions before we get going. Um, Another little tool that I really enjoy is a book called Talk Through the Bible. It kind of does the same work as a study Bible and gives you an outline of the book. Um, To save us some time this morning, because we're not all going to read an introduction, as some guys who are really skilled in artistry have put together a beautiful introduction to the book of Proverbs. The guys are called the Bible Project, and I really, really enjoy these guys and some of the stuff they're creating. So I want us to, as we dive into Proverbs, to learn some wisdom together. I want us to give a quick feel of what to expect. So let's watch this video together. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. 
She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah, and it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokhmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokhmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokhmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokhmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokhmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokhmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success in no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Isn't that useful? It took about four minutes. So if you're having a devotion time with the Lord, you're thinking, man, I'm about to embark on something, man, this is a great tool. And I think one of the things that I'm just encouraged by is uh, this doesn't require four years of college. This doesn't require us to go somewhere to encounter this wisdom. God has given it to us liberally. And he says, if you will come and listen to this wise instruction, if you will use this hakmah to craft a life yourself, you could have a good life. And that is just an amazing promise. Now, I do want to just mention one thing. Um, uh, Proverbs are not promises. So notice how uh, in the video it talked about this is mostly the case. So Proverbs are saying this is the way God has crafted the world. This is mostly the way it works. But it is not a promise that this always equals this. So as we go through that, that's an important thing to keep in mind. But um, as we encounter, uh, trying to encounter this pathway of wisdom, where do we start? 
start? Where's the first step we have to go to become wise and to craft this life for ourselves? Well, let's start with Proverbs 1.7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Does that surprise you at all? You know that God wouldn't have said, The love of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or the mercy of the Lord. Or the power of the Lord. You know, isn't it interesting that God would say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? You know, I think a couple things about this idea. One is, if you are outside of Christ, if you're not part of the family of God, it is entirely appropriate to be petrified of the God of the universe. Because his wrath against sin is a scary thing to behold. So if you are not part of God's family, a fear and terror would be an appropriate response if you're not an idiot. Now, if you're part of God's family, the wrath of God has been taken off us and put on Jesus. However, as we understand that amazing truth, it is healthy to remember that we ought not forget God's hatred of sin and God still ought to be greatly revered and respected. In fact, Hebrews 12 uh, talks about that people in the family of God should show great awe and reverence for God because he is an all-consuming fire. And I do if we have moved too close sometimes to focusing so intensely on the love of God that we've forgotten about this truth that's found both in the Old Testament and all through the New Testament about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. You know, last Sunday, my family was in town, and I love it. It's pretty rare that my baby sister gets to come down to town from Nebraska. Uh, but one of the things most of my family loves is soccer. And my wife hates soccer with just such a passion in life. It is the most, she doesn't like any sport really, but soccer is like nails on a chalkboard for her. Um, and last Sunday, during church, I DVR'd it, watched it later, um, was the World Cup of Women's Soccer, where the U.S. had made it to the championship. And probably three of you watched it with me because, No one likes women's soccer, but I was in. I was like, man, I'm into soccer, World Cup, country versus country. I'm down for this. And if you don't know, uh, the Americans won. We won another championship at World Cup. It's pretty cool. I was was cheering them on. But as I was watching the game, there's a slide. I want you to see the team up here. Uh, There was one particular player I did not see uh, in the victory shot or on the field. Her name is Jaylene, and she is arguably, uh, most experts that I've read said she is the best defender um, in the United States at women's soccer. She's won, uh, her MLS team has won two of the last three years' championships, and, um, and she's just arguably just the best defender that U.S. has. So why would it be that she's not part of this team? Well, it all started back in 2017 when Jaylene was invited to play for the national team in an international friendly. Um, It happened to be Gay Pride Month, and the U.S. team decided they wanted all their team members to have specific jerseys to celebrate. Lene is like, man, what do I do as someone who fears the Lord with this decision? She needed discernment, and this is the way she describes this decision she had to make. She said, I gave myself three days to just seek and pray and determine what God was asking me to do in this situation. And she said, if I never get another national team call up again, then that's just a part of his plan and that's okay. And she declined the invite and hasn't played for the U.S. team since. And last Sunday, she missed out on her chance 
to get a World Cup championship. You know, if you want to be wise, what God, I think, is telling us is you have to fear God more than you fear any other thing in life. You have to fear him more than looking silly in front of your friends or teammates. You have to fear him more than, uh, than being like rejected for standing for him. Or maybe you have to fear God more than a fear of failure. Or maybe a fear of FOMO. That stands for fear of missing out. Because I think Jaylene, she would say, I, I missed out on a championship this side and a crown this side of heaven. But I think she might have gained one the next side. And so I think for all of us, as we wisdom, I think God would say, man, do you fear me? Not are you terrified of me, but do you fear me? Do you have awe and reverence for me above all else? Do you fear me more than any other fear in this life? Now, what I want to do with the rest of our time together, because as we saw in the introduction, Proverbs is divided into the chapters 1 to 9, which is a set of speeches, and then chapters 10 and later is all these collection of sayings. And they're very short sayings, and they're kind of all together. And so the question is, well, how do we read these? Well, the way I like to do it is I like to think of a theme and then go look for Proverbs related to that theme. So uh, there's many different things that they, they brought up on, uh, in the book of Proverbs. It talks about relationships, talks about money. But the one that I like to talk about this morning is work because I think work applies to every person in this room. You know, if you're in high school, you do work in school and some of you guys work in jobs. If you are a parent in this room, you're doing work raising your children. Um, how many of you guys are going to a job tomorrow? Man, a bunch of us are going to a job tomorrow. We're going to experience work tomorrow. Many of us are, how many of you guys are volunteering in a kingdom ministry somewhere, on a team, helping out VBS, serving somewhere? Man, that's work for the kingdom of God. There's lots of places in our life where we do work. And the question is, are we going to be a wise worker or a foolish worker? And Proverbs says, man, we, God would love for you to be a wise worker. There's no virtue of being an idiot in the workplace. So let's, uh, let's dive in and find out what Proverbs might say to help us grow in the area of wisdom. Now, we're going to go through a series of different uh, things describing what a wise worker looks like. And my, my prayer for you as we go through these is that you would write down one of these to take home with you today. I would like you to take one of these scriptures we're going to go through. I want you to memorize it, and I want you to think about it every day this week and say, God, would you help this become a part of my life? So don't try and do all of them. Just pick one, and let's say, let's go with it. So for some of you, it might be fear of the Lord is something that God's talking to you about. Let's go on. Let's pick Proverbs 10, 4, which says this, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. And you might be saying, well, well, how did he pick those two? How did he find those two? Well, there's this tool that if you don't have, it's called a concordance. Um, it's kind of this big, huge paper book. I actually don't use it much. I'll explain why in a sec. But it's this big, huge paper book. And if you have a study Bible, if you flip to the end of your study Bible, most of them have a short concordance in the end. And if you're looking for like verses, like Proverbs on work, you could look for like hand or labor or those things, and it will pop up verses you could turn to in Proverbs. But they have these things now called computers, and they're amazing, and they're really good at searching. 
So if you have an app like Uversion, or if you have access to a computer, you go to BibleGateway.com. Just go and look up some Proverbs. So if you're thinking, man, I really wish you'd been doing relationships from Proverbs, you can do it this week. It's all good. You can go and search these and apply them to your life. But jumping back to this one, let's flash up those verses again for me. Proverbs 10.4. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, diligence means careful and persistent um, effort to completing the job. It means going all the way. It's not doing it 80%. And I'm seeing a couple guys, like some pilots in the room, and it just blesses me when a pilot doesn't do like 70% of the checklist and then is flying me around. That blesses me. Um, and so there's certain things I really would like us to be diligent about if we're in the workplace. Uh, I did find some pictures this week of some people who failed in diligence just to kind of illustrate the point. Um, so we'll flip up the first one there. So yeah, so whoever was designing this shirt... Um, <laughs> If you don't get it, ask one of our overseas workers, and they'll help you with that one. Um, yeah, definitely someone missed that one. You go to the next one there. Uh, this was at Walmart, and no, I'll pick it on Walmart, but dude, um, thankfully my mom took me to the zoo. You can do the next one there. Uh, this one takes a minute. You're thinking, like, who, who set it there? Like, that seems like a great place for a sign, if you ask me. Um, a little lack of diligence there. Let's do the next one. Um, now, we do have some skimmers in our church. Uh, I, do, I do enjoy the skimmers who don't read my entire email, but just the first word. Um, and so juicy, they definitely got the juicy part of this one. So they do the next one there for me. Uh, for all my teachers getting ready. Uh, I'm praying for you guys every day this semester, getting ready for the fall, going back to school. I, uh, we had one job here, guys. We had three letters and one job. I, I don't quite know how that happens. Um, this one, if you don't get it, so you can go to the, like the bakery and say, put this picture on the cake. Well, this person put the picture on the thumb drive and handed the thumb drive and the worker was not diligent and was too lazy and just put the thumb drive picture on the cake. So there you go. I'm not sure that's exactly what they were aiming for when they went there. So I could see my kids doing this where I'm like, hey, would you put some lemons in the water? And guys, that's just washing lemons. You're just drinking dirty water at this moment. There is... That we, we have missed a step in this process. Um, I don't know who. I mean, like, you got the sign right there next to the paint. I'm just thinking, like, you could compare. And this is just, uh, you know, mailing it in a little bit. And we laugh at some of these foolish things. We've experienced some of these foolish things. But I tell you, you know, if you are foolish in workplace, they can end up causing a lot of hurt. It can end up being foolish in the workplace, causing a lot of pain and destruction. And, and God says, man, I want us to be diligent as workers. You know, uh, and he gives us some promises in the verse we just read. It says, if we're diligent, we'll make more money and we'll gain freedom in the workplace. Man, who doesn't want to make more money and gain freedom in the workplace? That's a wonderful promise if we choose to be diligent. You know, there's a famous story I heard growing up about a man whose name is Booker T. Washington. And he grew up in the late 1800s, poorest of the poor. And um, he uh, never knew his dad. Um, he went to West Virginia, a very young man, and worked in the coal mines. Um, very little money. But he heard there was this school called Hampton Institute. And he heard that he could get an education there. So he eventually saved up enough money to get to Hampton Institute. He got there with 50 cents in his pocket, his, tore, his clothes all tore up, smelling like who knows what. And he knocks on the door, and the head teacher, Miss Mackey, 
comes out and says, what do you want? He says, I want an education. Would you let me come to school here? Well, she didn't say no, which is interesting because it was real obvious the booker didn't have the tuition money. She said, just wait here. And a few minutes later, she came back and she had a broom and said, uh, that classroom needs to be swept. Go sweep it. And Booker says in his autobiography that this was one of the most joyous moments in his life because someone had given him a chance. So he grabbed that broom, enthusiastically went into the classroom, and he swept around that classroom. And he swept it not once, not twice, but three times. And then after he swept that thing where it was completely clean, he went and found a dust rack. And he dusted the entire room, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Now remember, Miss Mackey just said sweep it. He's dusting. He's going above and beyond. And finally, after he finished dusting the room, he knocked on the teacher's door and said, hey, the room's ready. Well, she gets out a white glove and she puts it on and she walks around that room. And he said she knew exactly where to look for dust. And she didn't find any. So she turned to Booker and said, you'll do. You can be here. And she accepted him and gave him an education. And he took that education and he became the first leader of Tuskegee Institute. I don't know if you guys heard of the Tuskegee Airmen, but he was the first leader of that group at age 25. And he spent his entire life making a massive difference in the United States for good because he valued diligence. And he oftentimes, he was speaking to people, he would say, man, read your Bible. Be diligent in the workplace. He had so many things he pushed me to. I want to read one quote from him that impacted me. He said, success in life is founded upon attention to the small things rather than to the large things, to the everyday things nearest to us rather than to the things that are remote and uncommon. So let me ask you, you know, as, as you're doing your work this week, are you being diligent? Are you, before you turn in that paper, are you running a Grammarly check on that thing? takes 10 seconds to see if there's any errors in that. You know, are you making sure you're putting in all the screws? Or are you kind of cutting corners places? Are you being diligent as a workman? Because God says to do all our work for his glory because he's watching and we want to be diligent workers. What other aspects of being a wise worker would Proverbs tell us? Well, there's another one, Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor, there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Man, this is a, an interesting one because, man, um, uh, we like to talk about stuff a lot. You know, wouldn't it be weird to watch a, a Cowboys game if all the Cowboys, like, they huddled up and talked about, hey, we want to run this awesome play. We're going to go deep down the right side. And then instead of running the play, they kind of huddled up and then went to the sidelines and came back, hey, let's run another play, you know? And, and they're like, you didn't run the last play. You just talked about it. And I don't know if you guys have been part of companies. I've been a part of companies in the past. Well, there's a whole lot of talking going on and not a lot of action being taken. And I think sometimes God is calling us as workers in the workplace to say, hey, we're talking a lot. What should we do? Because Proverbs says, in all labor, there's profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, one of the great examples in our church in this area, I think, is Pastor Steve Hedlund. You know, he just is a, is a man of, of unique energy and passion. But all the time, I'll be just talking with him one-on-one, -on -one, and I'll share with him an idea. And he'll say, awesome, when are we going to do it? And I'm like, I was just wanting to talk about it. I wasn't really wanting to do anything. I was just wanting to talk about it. Well, Steve grew up in the, in the Southeast Asia in the Philippines in this little group of people called the Agda people. And he was just talking with different people of his tribe just about the needs there. And, and he said, man, if they could just have a school, 
If they could just have a place where uh, they could get an education, that would make a world of difference to my people. It's like, I don't got But God just kept putting on his heart. He said, I'm going to take action. And I just got a picture last week from Steve because he was on his way to Japan for an effort that's going on there. And he swung by his people, the Agda people. And there's this picture of him with his people as they're sharing with them what they've been learning and how they've been growing and the difference. And a lot of you guys have sponsored children through this effort. And it's making a worldwide difference. And it's not just talking about make a difference. It's taking action to make a difference. And I think something that, that God would say is a wise worker takes action because we can't just talk about stuff. We have to do something. What are some other things we might find from the book of Proverbs that would help us in the workplace? Well, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine comes to mind. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And my question for you is, do you desire to be excellent in what you do? Do you desire to be excellent and skilled in what you do? You know, we got some young men in this church uh, on the stage or doing band stuff, Josh and Andrew, who are just amazingly skilled in their artistic crafts. We got some musicians in this church that are amazingly skilled. And I just think of these guys and say, man, I just think God is so proud of you guys for how you on your own have sought out ways to become more and more skilled. You know, I think about this time in the Old Testament where God said, I want to have a tent. I want to have a place where I can dwell in the midst of my people. And if he had gone to the people of Israel and they all raise their hand, who wants to help me build the tent? I bet everyone would raise their hand. But what he did is he said, I want to go find skilled people, the best skilled people to help me craft. The temple, the same thing happened. God said, I want skilled people. Gain a skill. A, it'll bring me great glory. B, you'll have amazing influence. You'll stand before kings. And he might even give you amazing things to do. I think of this video we just saw. That took a lot of skill for those guys to craft that video. And we just experienced the receiving it. But that took a lot of work for guys to work for many, many years to gain those skills. So I, as you think about your work, whether it is a plumber, whether it's a builder or a teacher, what are some things you could do to be more skilled, more excellent in the workplace? You know, my prayer is that Christians, when they hear that we're followers of Christ, that people think of us as the best skilled laborers in our nation. That's my heart. What are some other wisdom things from the book of Proverbs that, that might be helpful to us? Well, another one comes in Proverbs 12, 11. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. So those are the idiots, the one who pursues worthless things. Proverbs 28, 19. He who tills his land again will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. So as you think about this, um, I'm kind of a, a, my brother and I joke about, my brother lives in East Texas, so we joke he lives in the country and I live up here, so I'm in the city. I've actually never tilled land in my entire life. I've never like done any of that. Uh, the closest I came to was doing some watermelon fields work where I harvested watermelons one year. And man, that was hard work. But I tell you, you know, tilling land, if you're a farmer, I've worked on a farm, that is some serious work. It is not easy getting out there and tilling land. And so when, when you think about tilling land, literally what that is, is it's 
chopping up the hard ground with a plow or a tractor or something like that, getting it ready for planting. And then after you tilt the land, you plant in it. Well, then you got to water it. Well, then you could water it. You got to kind of caretake it a little bit. Like the watermelon fields had these vines that would go all the place. And we would have to walk down the rows and redirect the vines. They would grow in the correct way. So you got to do all this caretaking of the crops that it grows. And eventually you get to harvest time. But harvest doesn't happen overnight. Harvest happens way after the initial tilling. So as we say, God, we want to be wise. We want to craft this good life for ourselves. One of the questions I think comes to my mind is, what can I do with my spare time now? What could I do in the workplace right now that would till the land for a future uh, benefit in my work? What can I do in my ministry right now that could till the land for a future benefit in my ministry? And what I'm not preaching is workaholism. You know, I'm not saying we're supposed to work 24-7. God has designed this. We work six days and we have one day to rest and rejuvenate. So he's designed that. But it is saying, you know, I look at that graphic I started off with, just seeing the sheer number of hours on Netflix is amazing to me. The sheer number of hours on video games is a little astounding at times to me. And I play video games. I enjoy video games. But just, we got to be careful about things that I would even agree are worthless things or empty pursuits. So uh, I think that's something that God would say to us today is what can we do to plan ahead in our ministry areas? What's another thing that applying to work? Um, well, Proverbs 24, 27. Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, then, build your house. And, and I don't have a lot of time to go into the background of this, but um, just all I'm going to say is sequence matters. Sequence matters. There's some things you're supposed to do first and some things you're supposed to do second. You know, before the house is all about your comfort and building up a family and all things, and that's important stuff. The field and outside work, that's what generates the income. That's what gets you where you have food on the table. And all Proverbs is saying here, if we dive in deeper, there's a lot of sequence that matters in life. We want to do things in the right order if we want to build with God's wisdom. I got two more quick ones. And remember, as we go through these, the heart is I want you to pick one because I'm going to challenge you in a couple minutes to pick one that's going to be your proverb for the week. Second to the last one. Proverbs 11.1, 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 13.11 is similar. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. You know, I was impacted earlier by Mark's story. He talked about his stepfather who wanted to gain a lot of money through fraud. And if you had asked his stepfather, he would have been like, oh, yeah, this is a great way to get rich. But Proverbs would have said, that's a terrible way to get rich. And eventually he went to jail over it. And think of the destruction, not to, to the stepfather, but to the whole family because of this. I was laughing about the false balance, literally the false scales, because I was in Kroger this week um, because I needed some uh, decaf coffee. And half of you are thinking, like, why the heck would you buy decaf coffee? Well, um, the reason is I like the taste of coffee, and Pastor Gary's been asking me to drink less. So I'm trying to, like, scale back a little bit of my caffeine so I move a little slower. Um, and so I wanted some decaf coffee just to, just to have something I could drink that tastes like that. So I'm in there, and I'm filling up my decaf coffee with the pecan flavoring just because I enjoy that stuff. And I'm grinding it in the bag, and I get my bag of coffee. And they have this scale right next to the bag of coffee. And so I take my back coffee, put it on the scale, and I hit print. And I notice it says 0.25 pounds of coffee. 
And I'm thinking, this is a pretty tall bag. Um, and so I was like, this can't be right. So I waited again, 0.25. Okay, so then I took it over to the banana scale because that's the analog one with the dial. And it said a pound of coffee over there. So in that moment, I had a decision to make. This was a scale that was off. Was I going to be a person of wisdom who was going to choose integrity? Or was I going to say, bonus, that's God's blessing to me, score. Um, but what was I going to do, right? Well, in that moment, I chose the path of wisdom. I went to the cover person and said, hey, your scale is way off. And they said, I don't think it is. I said, no, no, really. Let me show you how everyone is walking out with very cheap coffee today, you know? And so as I, as I brought them, I said, oh, you're right. Thank you for showing this to me. Because God loves balanced scale. So there's many times in my workplace environment, in my past jobs, where I've been pushed to do things that were not honest. You know, when I was an expert witness, um, and many times in computer investigations, lawyers would say, hey, can't you just say this a little differently to help out our case? And I'd be like, no, because that would be wrong, and I can't say that. Um, but they would really say, well, it would be really great. You would really help us out. We would like, remember you for the next job. And there was a lot of pressure there. Are we going to be people of integrity? And I always remember back to the first foundational thing about a wise worker it matters that we fear the Lord more than anything else. That's the foundation of all wisdom. One last one, Proverbs 16.3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And um, you know, as I think about this, I, I just have to uh, pick it. And there's just so much humor related to this. So excuse the humor, but, but Chick-fil-A does come to mind with some of this. Um, so Chick-fil-A is on track to become the third largest fast food place in America. And they're already the top chicken fast food place in America. They beat every other chicken place. And if you go to their website right now, which you shouldn't, but if you do, you will see their corporate statement about their company. This is what their company, number one in the nation in chicken, says. This is their corporate statement. is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if all of God's workers committed all our work to the Lord, big and small, big companies to the smallest events? I was watching um, uh, some highlights of Wimbledon, and there's this 15-year-old that's taken the world by storm. Her name is Goff. And she is just, I mean, she beat Venus Williams, her childhood hero. But I was watching an interview with her. And you know what she said? She said, before every match, my dad and I, we kneel and we pray for me and my opponent. And we commit that to the Lord. To the Lord. I just think, man, that is what God has asked us. We're playing a tennis match at age 15, whether we're working at Chick-fil-A, whether we're running a tire company, whether we're going as a painting job. What God's asking us to do is to commit our work to the Lord and then let our plans be established. And there's many more Proverbs that I could talk about. The book is full of them, and you hold them in your hands. And what God wants for each and every one of us is he wants to say, come with me as I impart my wisdom to you. So I want you to flash up that last slide for me. We covered a lot of different things about a wise worker. If you're looking who to hire in your company this week, if you're looking how to make yourself in demand, these things work in the secular world too. I've done very well in the corporate world having some of these attributes. I'm asking God to do more in me. But a wise worker fears God. He's diligent. He takes action. He's skilled at what he does. He plans ahead. He prioritizes well. He has integrity, and he honors God with his work. So I ask you right now, would you just take one of those? 
If you want to be a super Christian, you do all hate. No, I'm kidding. Just take one. I asked my life group last week. I said, just take one of these and that one verse I put on there. And I challenge you to memorize it this week. And so the way to do that usually is you have to write it down somewhere. And then you usually have to put in your calendar, hey, remember to read that Bible thing the next day. So if you have a digital calendar, just right now, grab your phone, say tomorrow I want, to, I want you to read that verse. Because I think God wants all of us to take a step towards being wise this week with our work, whether it's in the home, whether it's in with a company, whether it's in ministry, whether it's at VBS this afternoon as we're setting up for this thing. And then as we meditate on that verse, let's ask God to come and really impart to us this attribute that is part of himself, this attribute of wisdom. So let's all stand up together. I want to close by praying a prayer over you from Colossians because uh, I spent a lot of time talking about Proverbs, but Jesus is the personification of wisdom. You want to see what wisdom looks like lived out in 3D in the flesh? Jesus is the personification and says in Colossians 2 um, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I want to pray this prayer over you. And then uh, if you're brand new this morning, by the way, I'd love just to meet you and say hi. Uh, I'm going to be down here in the welcome area. I've got a, a gift for you down here. If you have some questions, you just say, man, I just need to ask some questions of some staff. We're going to have some in the back corner of Connection Coffee where they've got some great coffee back there. It is not decaf, so you're good to go. Um, and then if you just need some prayer, you came in like, man, I need some prayer today. We're going to have some elders up front. I encourage you, don't leave today before you get prayed over by an elder. So let's all bow our heads. Colossians 2, 2b to 3, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God, we ask that right now today, you would impart more of Jesus to us, more of experiential knowledge of all the wisdom that you have for us, that we would be a wise people. We would reject foolish things and embrace wise things. In Jesus' name, amen.